0: On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music is Not a Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
2: Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to Audio Season 4, Episode 13 of Music is Not a Genre. This is also the 25th video edition, an edition in general, of uh, Music is Everything. Uh, that's kind of uh, a subset of Music is Not a Genre where I expound on a musical topic and I connect it to things in the world uh, from a written text that's here. So here, screenshot. Uh, hey, everybody. Glad that you're all here watching and listening. As always, if you're watching, then it's uh, maybe on youtube.com slash Nick Please subscribe if you haven't. Uh, patreon.com slash music is not a genre, where I would love to have you. It's $10 a month for every single thing that I do. Uh, Podcasts, live music, all of that, uh, interviews. Or you are listening on anchor.fm slash music is not a genre. There's an opportunity for you to donate there, which obviously I would absolutely love. You can donate a dollar if you'd like, and I will use that to buy the pizza that I eat after this episode. Uh, or $1,000, and I will probably use that also to buy pizza. Uh, and this is streaming, as always, Spotify, Apple, Google. So this week's topic, this 25th edition here, momentous, is called, it's something I've been waiting to do for a while. I came up with this idea a while ago, and now seemed like the perfect time for many reasons. And those of you who are only listening, you're missing out on this great diorama I have here, of a smiling, stuffed emoji with heart eyes and two avocados. And I may tell you what all that means later. The title of this week's topic is The Share Tingles, or Why Almost Nothing is Better Alone. You know the feeling when you're listening to a song for the first time and it gets to a place, a climax, a drop after a breakdown, a soaring melody, shining harmonies, or a beat that you can't ignore? that makes your body respond? You might feel butterflies or goosebumps or the need to move. It might stop you from breathing for a second or compel you to sing along or shout or scream uncontrollably. You might cry or laugh in utter surprise. You forget everything but the moment you're in. Whatever it is, it's as if the song is inside you, flowing with your blood, leaping with your synapses, and you can't stop your reaction even if you wanted to. The next time you hear the song, you know that moment is coming. The anticipation sends tingles of electricity through you, which builds in intensity until the moment hits you and you explode. It's even stronger than the first time. You know from then on, you can count on that song to wipe out any other thought or feeling and transport you to transcendent bliss. After a while, that feeling diminishes. Maybe you've heard the song too many times, or too often in a short span, or maybe it's just that you know it so well that the feeling is more a memory than a full-on rush. You'll always love the song, but it won't ever have the same effect on you. Or will it? Think of that song again. Now imagine you're talking to someone who, it turns out, has the same musical taste as you. You find out they've never heard the song, and your breath stops for a second, and so does time. The only thing you can do next is play that song for them. You imagine being in their place, totally unaware of what's about to happen. They can feel your excitement, hear it in your voice. So they're prone to experiencing the song with open ears and an open heart. And you are prone to hearing it the way they will hear it, for the first time. The moment comes, and because you're hearing the song through their ears, something amazing happens. That overwhelming feeling you thought would never return comes back stronger than ever. It may as well be your first time, too. Your friend Is right there, too, and both of your feelings converge and grow into something bigger than any individual feeling could ever be. It makes you want to share this song with every other like-minded person, so you could spread the joy and feel it all over again yourself. I call this feeling the share tingles, and it happens all the time. It's what gives music near eternal life, self-replenishing power. Those mega impact moments in a song or any great work pass on their feelings through everyone who hears them and the power is multiplied exponentially. You don't even need to know the person. You could even be in a crowd of strangers. Just being with others who are feeling what you are reawakens everything you ever felt. It's why even though live music is rarely sonically better than recorded music, the experience of it can be far superior. It's why great DJs are shamans. It's why radio still exists. No individual isolated feeling can ever match the level of one shared. Feeling something personal and private is human nature. Being able to rekindle that feeling and surpass it is miraculous. More than that, it's the essence of existence. We're at a point in society when individualism Is prized far and above over collectivism, when our prevalent version of connecting with others is digital, a-physical, and often only partly rooted in reality. Our shared experiences have been micro curated to create the smallest measure of connection, one that dissipates almost as soon as it's done. In fact, most of what we call sharing is usually one way. Whether online or in real life, we talk at each other, stating how we feel or what we think, and rarely leave a statement open-ended enough to allow for true conversation and connection. We convince ourselves we're satisfied with speaking our minds, and don't need feedback or any meaningful exchange. We pretend to be sure of ourselves when all we are is afraid of ourselves and each other. This goes a long way toward explaining why our culture is in the state it's in. What passes for compassion for others these days is the bare minimum of care. And often not even that. What passes for dialogue is as good as two stereo speakers playing two different songs and drowning out each other. The more we believe that protecting our individualism is the safest bet, the more our society erodes and the more danger we create for everyone. Fortunately, society grows in cycles. We've been here before, and much worse. We'll be here again, hopefully not quite as bad. And in between, we'll swing back to collectivism, hopefully even stronger than the last time. We're seeing fits and starts of that swing back now, forces in our culture trying to get enough of us to care about each other, to treat each other with more respect and compassion. The individualists are fighting back loudly, which is why it often seems like things are worse, but it's just death throes and growing pains. We'll get there, because those share tingles work for ideas, too. It's how progress happens. We pass them on, feel them together, and they grow beyond what any one person could do. So, you know, even though I was reading it like a like a voice person, you may have felt how passionate I am about this. Uh, and as always, or yeah usually let's start let's start with the music. So I'm serious. I don't know if you have this same experience. I know other people have, I don't know if you particularly have, but but there have been times when I am listening to a song and usually it's either again a song I heard once and and it set it up for then the next time it was just so amazing but just as often I would say it's a song that is familiar in other ways so it maybe isn't a song I've heard before but it reminds some part of my brain of something that I did hear before that I have some emotional connection to and then the way that it's it unfolds it hits me such that I do tingle. I do feel goosebumps. There's a rush to my head. And uh, I feel, I wouldn't say dizzy, but that kind of tingly sensation. That's the the, the tingles. And yes, let's, let me be perfectly upfront here. We all need our quiet moments, our alone moments to explore things in an unstructured way in an unpressured way in an unself-conscious way and that includes listening to music by yourself there have been times especially way back when the internet didn't quite exist in the way it does now where i would put headphones on and click the switch on the stereo so that the sound would would uh, not come through the speakers it would come just through the headphones and I would lay back in a chair and just let the music wash over me. And that's a bit of a, I think, a more of a long-term uh, feeling than the tingles that I'm talking about, but it's, it's related. It's, it's a cousin of that, for sure. And again, you, know, you need those feelings. And I want to describe uh, some of them to you before I you know, convert it over to the sharing part of this. Let me give you some con- concrete examples. I'm not often able to do this, and let me be honest about it. I like talking about topics. And if, and if I had, uh, you know, hours or could stop and think and give it some space, I could come up with more concrete examples for all the things that I talk about. And I'm working on doing that even more. This one, I guess, was a little easier. And I'm going to start with a song by a band called Mute Math called Typical. Uh, there's a, now usually for songs like this it's either uh a a breakdown that then like i said drops in and, and and you know and just pops your head off whether that's with a good rock song or you know a dj song some kind of a, a house or techno song um you know or it's an outro that builds and builds and builds that just that just starts to make you feel like that Repetition with variation is taking you somewhere. It's it's soaring, you know, to the heavens and inside you. And so this song, "Mute Math," typical. Look up the video on YouTube. It's an awesome video. They shot the whole thing backwards, and I won't say any more. But please go look it up. Uh, you will hopefully be blown away. But I think you'll also understand that part of the song where it drops and it come, you know, where it uh, breaks down and then drops back in that I can feel that. Uh, I felt the same thing with, the, here's some outro examples, Dear Prudence, just the way it repeats at the end, or uh, Chicago's song Beginnings, uh, that is that outro the first time or two that I heard that, the the tingles, oh my god, and, and uh, Block Party, this is the one that I think maybe even made me write this whole thing, is that uh, I remember back when the first Block Party album came out. I was in the car; still had a car then, and I was driving to an acting class. This is how vividly I remember hearing this album for the first time, and it, and it was a CD in the car CD player. And I don't remember exactly which song, but the album, the whole album, reminded me so much of early '80s uh, post-punk music. And, and then the way it was done, you, if you know Block Party, you know what I'm talking about. You know how transcendent that first album is. I felt so tingly that it was almost like the car was flying. So that, that's another perfect example. Uh, U2's I Will Follow, when I first heard that, and, and several times after, when I heard that. Uh, the Cure's In Between Days. My God, oh, the way he plays that acoustic guitar, forget it. It just, you know, well, yeah, you have to listen to it. Uh, All kinds of time from Fountains of Wayne. And that has to do with both the, again, outro, the way it comes in and, and and continues, but also the lyrics. There's just a kind of a melancholy there about how quickly life passes by. And and it that, you know, when the lyrics and the music combine to create this feeling, it's, it's better than anything. And I want to highlight a one particular song here, which I've been doing more, and I don't, I haven't really done for these Music Is Everything episodes, and that is a song of mine that I wrote and recorded way back, which I remember as the first one to, that when I listened back to the recording I did, it gave me the the tingles, and it's a song called Your Sweetness off of my EP, your EP, tricky there, and you will hear a part right, you know, where it breaks back down to the acoustic guitar and then builds up and builds up and builds up until it pops back in with the drums and electric guitar and bass and all of that stuff. And uh, that gives me tingles really still till this day. And it was continued through songs uh, somewhat with the song What It Is, which I featured in a recent episode, and also in a song called Break You, which is another one that even when I play it live and it had that same thing very similar to Your Sweetness where it breaks down not quite as much, but, but quite a bit. And then in this case, the outro comes in big and I do things with my vocals that make it you know kind of tingly. Uh, you can look that one up too. Uh, I'll put links to both of them. At the end of this episode, I'm going to feature uh, Your Sweetness. So you can hear that. Uh, And or I may even put the video that I created for it last year from a live performance I did, and you can enjoy that. Now, transitioning to the sharing part, and and I think this is very true. This I find true with, with movies, with certain TV shows. It's a little harder with books, but I guess it can happen. I find it true sometimes with just ideas that you're sharing, that you've held. Or news, certain news that you know that you want to tell someone else, when you share that, when you share that experience, whatever it may be, with someone else, it renews it. It's one of the reasons why connection in the world is so important. And it's one of the reasons why I really do believe it's the essence of life, because we could all be isolationists, individualists, and have our own experiences and make them as as you know, uh, personal to us and as important to us as we want to, but in the end, where does that really get you? Because if you if you break it down to, you know, the the basics here, if you extrapolate from that, then it's just a bunch of disconnected people who may as well be on individual planets, for all that any of that matters, and that doesn't continue. The feeling of life, it doesn't continue our species, you know, in a biological sense. And so transition that, again, to connecting and sharing. And really, I don't know what I believe about existence or the universe or an afterlife or anything. I'm still kind of searching for that. But one thing I've always believed, at least since college... Uh, I was recently asked what would my motto be, and I don't know if this is completely true, but I put down Only Connect, which is a, a truncated version of, I believe, an E.M. Forster quote. And I read the full quote. It actually seems like it means something else, but just that idea of if there's one thing that is paramount in the world and also extremely difficult to do and can be troubling in many ways... Uh, very volatile. Often, it is to connect to others, because if there's any way to create some kind of collective unconscious or you know greater feeling of existence in the universe, it's through our connection to others. You know, no offense to the monks and people who go into caves, metaphorical or real, and meditate. They're seeking answers and seeking higher truths and all of that, and that's great. But if they're not going to share that, then so what? That's extremely selfish. Uh, So, you know, just capping off the music part of this, I find it time and time and time again that when I play a song that I love for somebody else, it really is as if I've heard it for the first time. Especially if their response is the same as mine or close to the same as mine, you know. And that's not always the case, even if it isn't, you might, you might be a little disappointed. Oh, I thought that that would take you to the same place that it took me, but you still just the anticipation of wondering how they're going to feel creates that first time feeling in you, you know, or second time feeling or however you want to say it. And I think that I made a, a note months ago about this, Uh, I was going to call this something about skin-gasm, but there's, I believe, a cosmetics company called that, so sorry, you know, uh, thank you for coming up with that, whoever did, that was a wonderful idea. Uh, But there's two other things music-wise that I want to point out about this before I get back to the whole selfish thing in the world. And that is, I have big, big, uh, you know, capital letters and exclamation points I put down here. This is about DJing. So when you're... (laughs) If you know what real, you know, that kind of DJing is like where you're trying to move a crowd and you're building up anticipation, anticipation, anticipation and explosion, it's very sexual and sensual in in some ways too. And there have been discussions about the difference between male and female orgasms in relation to how music is structured and that this kind of tingling sensation that happens when something breaks down and then drops back in, bam, is very male uh, in its essence, and, and this is, believe me, very stereotypical, there are women and non-binary people who have the same experience, uh, you know, both music-wise, orgasm-wise, and stereotypically the, the female is often more long and drawn out, which again can be men, non-binary, but that idea of how a when an outro unfolds. And just keeps playing and playing and, and the tingling builds slowly and just takes you to a place. And that happens uh, anytime you've been in a club where they're playing music that you connect with and you're with other people who are digging it the way you are. If the DJ is good, they will know when to drop things out and drop them back in. They'll know when to build the anticipation and then pound you with a with something that you know comes back in hard. Or... That repetition with variation, like an outro, which in or in this case, with a lot of uh, you know house songs and other kinds of of electronic dance music, the entire song is that repetition with variation and these are great examples of how this uh, share tingle uh, concept works, and I want to say one other thing about this, which is that it can also <laughs> I'm not exactly sure how to put this, but it can also be, I won't say a detriment, but deceptive in this sense. And that is that in many, many, many cases, the reason why songs and bands, artists are famous and become you know, world famous, country famous, whatever, is because this feeling is passed on between people. And objectively, absolutely wonderful. That's how it should work. Again, it's the essence of life in many ways, and certainly of how, you know, the best way to experience music. But at the same time, it can be a a little uh, all-consuming in that, let's say you are having a quiet moment, and that quiet moment may be you listening to a band that very other few people know about, it could be your music, it could, it could be a friend's music, it could just be some indie band, and you're not connected with that uh, obscure indie band. If the connection doesn't happen with other people, for whatever reason, then that overwhelming buzz and, and popularity and you know everyone loving the song or the band doesn't happen either. Now, that doesn't mean that that music is any lesser than the music that it happened for. It's just that the opportunity for all those connections to happen for whatever reason didn't present itself or hasn't presented itself yet. And I'd like you to consider that if you hear a song, whether it's one of mine, my band Rex, or some other person you know personally or a band that you see in a club, the one thing, the one thing that you can do if you've enjoyed that song, that band, artist share it. Tell somebody else. Send them a link. It, it 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 is more gratifying than you can possibly imagine as a creator for that to happen, but it also at least gives that song, that band, that artist the opportunity to find the track that that, that, that share tingle train is on and hopefully take it somewhere. There's, there's really no other way for that to happen. You can... Pound hype to death in the world, you know the difference between hype and buzz. But it's that buzz, it's that, it's the shared tingles that make the difference. And that's my soapbox there. And I'm now going to jump off that soapbox and get onto another soapbox. And that is that some of this came from an article that I read in the New York Times uh, a few months ago about uh, the difference between I culture and we culture. And it was a great article. Look it up. And I may have mentioned it before in another podcast. But it's the, the, just to sum it up quickly. It talked about how society runs in cycles, and that, you know, this author said every 50 years, which you know, arbitrary, but but there's some accuracy to that. And that is that the the, the height. So, I culture is a culture of individualism. It's a culture of every person for themselves. And if you happen to help somebody else, that's great, especially if it helps you in self-aggrandizing or if it's a, a kind of a byproduct of you doing something for yourself, then OK, cool. But it's not the main purpose. And that ultimately, every action you take, it's very uh, Ayn Randian, every action you take, every um, law you put into action, every decision you make about how you interact with other people, is based on what's best for you. And sure, we all have to take care of ourselves, but self-empowerment and self-help can be really, really destructive and damaging if taken to an extreme. And I think the idea of the self being the be-all and end-all is has been taken to an extreme. And so that's the I culture, and we culture is a sense of community, a sense of... Uh, working for the greater good and helping others and finding ways ways to include others, even if that means you have to sacrifice somehow, is actually best not just for the whole world but for you too. That ultimately, you know, in the end and through the rest of your life, you connecting with others and at times sacrificing for others and contributing for others, for the community and passing laws and, and, you know, making financial decisions that benefit the community is also better in the end for yourself, that this protectionism of the self, as much as it seems in the moment like it's the best thing, is not, and that long term, it kills. It, it, you know, to put it simply, it kills. And that we were at the height of eye culture, let's say, in the 1920s, robber Barons and all that, and before that, and then the stock market crashed. And maybe teens, let's say in teens, something somewhere around there, and then we slowly worked our way back to a we culture with things that that passed under FDR and the sense of inclusiveness and civil rights laws, to the point where we got to the late sixties, early seventies, and it seemed as though there was a chance for collectivism to take over. But of course, what happens? Opposing forces will always do their best to change things, and it's it's happened with we culture. It's happened with I culture. Since the conservatives saw what was happening and they rallied the troops and came up with a plan that over the course of the next several decades has unfolded to bring us back to the peak of I culture. And whether you think Donald Trump is an example of that is your own personal opinion, I think that's one example of many But, and I would even think the way this pandemic has been handled has been one example of many of this eye culture being prevalent right now, which is that the the greatest argument for people who aren't getting the vaccine is is some fear of what it will do to them, or it it decreases their own autonomy. Don't tell me what to do, you know, like you're a three-year-old or something. And yeah, there are people who legitimately have medical you know, reasons why they can't get it, but that's a very, very small percentage. And I think any other reason is ridiculous to me. And please come back at me if you disagree or if you agree. And not to get caught up on just current events, laws have been passed, such as deregulation of corporations, uh, lower tax rates and... And uh, certainly, you know, not keeping up with things like minimum wage or Social Security, you know, levels and things like that. Uh, Health care, don't even get me started. We're, over the course of decades, uh, benefits at jobs, even pay in general. the The money has disproportionately rose to the top, and the people who need it the most don't get it. Yes, I talked about this when I was talking about the Swedish band The Hives but I think it bears repeating because it pervades every part of society and it is an example of i-culture. It is an example of the opposite of share tingles. It's, okay, I've had my transcendent experience, whether that means I've made my money or I've gotten expert healthcare, and I don't care what anyone else gets. In fact, if they don't get it, it's their fault, you know, which I think, again, is a very small percentage for which that is the case. And in most cases, it's us not being generous. It's us not being connected and, and, and thinking more collectively. And again, listen, I spend a lot of time finding things that satisfy me, whether it's doing this podcast or my music or listening to music or watching TV or, you know, sex or food. Boy, yeah, food. Uh, sure, but to only do that, Is ultimately very unsatisfying it's like being a drug addict you're getting that hit boom 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 but eventually the feeling diminishes and you need more of it to get that same feeling which again is exactly how I described that song you listen to it yourself that tingles you get they don't happen the 50th time unless that 50th time is the first time that you're sharing it with someone else and all of these things that I like to do myself have been enhanced greatly by sharing them with others, especially with the people closest to me, but with others in general. When someone comes back to me and says, oh, wow, that song that you, uh, you know, released who, who knows how long ago, it meant a lot to me, or I loved it, or it changed my life, or even some smaller thing, it makes me reconsider that song and listen to it again as if I just created it. And that happens with all of the music that I listed. And it happens, again, with ideas. Anytime I've had some idea that I thought, oh my God, I've just figured something out about some aspect of life, then sharing it with someone else, boom, explosion. So that's, I think, I don't know. I'd love to hear your opinion on all of this and the experiences you've had, either with music or other things in the world. And if you... Uh, have seen this I and we culture thing and and collectivism and individualism and all of that. And for those of you listening right now or not watching, uh, I'm sorry that you missed this wonderful diorama. But but the reason it's here is not just because of this episode. It's because very shortly, very shortly after this episode airs, uh, I am getting married to Catherine Lynn Lundgren, and I'm extremely excited about that. These two avocados—that's us—and that, you know, emoji. I guess is the, you know, our relationship, right? Uh, oh God, the metaphors. Uh, anyway, thank you for watching and listening and reading and clicking and sharing and subscribing and donating, and uh, especially commenting and giving me feedback in one way or another. Because as always, my objectives here are music, conversation, and connection. I'll talk to you next week.
0: achieve the american dream the big house the happy family the money would you put in the hours would you take a big swing
1: what's the problem what's the problem
0: would you lie would you cheat
1: they they
0: would you kill
1: yes <laughs> I
0: The crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.